I get your attention? Hello. We're going to carry on with the program, see if I can get back on script. Uh, note to the staff, I need bigger font. Thank you once again, Scott and Finning International, for the sponsorship of the Leaders' Luncheon. Ladies and gentlemen, Premier John Oregon. There we go. I've got a great story about tipping over water, I'll tell you another time. Uh, but uh, greetings, everyone. It's good to see a full crowd here at the TLA conference, and uh, I want to acknowledge the uh, traditional territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. I want to thank uh, Mike. Uh, firstly, I apologize. I want to thank Scott for his robust introduction. It was a couple of courses ago, uh, but the deal was I got fed before I had to stand up and talk. So. It was critically important to Mike uh, and to others on the executive that that happened. So thank you very much for the introduction. And, and for those who, everyone knows what a joinery is. So we were doing a little bit of discussion about that. I worked at the Cowich and Joinery many, many years ago on Vancouver Island. We made uh, door jam, uh, uh, window sash, and other things. I just pulled the wood and swept up the floor. But uh, it was a lucrative business for the owners at that time. I made a little bit of pocket money, and it paid for my education. So. I also spent some time in a pulp mill in Ocean Falls. I think I talked about that last year. Anyone ever been to Ocean Falls? Bless you, you can't go into a room and not find someone from Ocean Falls. So if you've been in the swimming pool, you know that stroke, stroke, turn, stroke, stroke, turn is how you got Olympic swimmers out of Ocean Falls. Um, it's great to be here again for my second go-round at uh, TLA. I want to thank uh, President Mike Richardson. I want to thank Dave Elfstone, Elfstone for uh, constantly being uh, in our office, uh, people need to know that, that he is relentless. And I'm not just trying to prop up his career, uh, he is relentless, you know that. And uh, wherever I go, whether it's talking to uh, uh, people uh, working in the forest industry in the interior, in the, uh, in the Kootenays, in the north, uh, Dave's always there making sure that I remember my roots as a Vancouver Islander and a coastal dweller and the importance of TLA issues, not just to uh, to uh, you in this room, but to the province, broadly speaking. To all the board members, to past President Jackie, who had the best lunch she's had in five years, I'm told. And to uh, the TLA staff, thanks very much for the work you do uh, each and every day to uh, maintain and support uh, the good hard work of the members of the TLA here in the room today. We have a number of uh, members of the legislature here with me, my colleagues from cabinet, um, Minister Ginny Sims, Minister of Citizen Services, and of course, Minister Doug Donaldson. Uh, forest, lands, natural resource operations, and rural development are both here from the government side, and I, uh, John uh, Rustad and Jordan Sturdy are here uh, from the opposition side, again, also um, friends of the forest industry. So it's good to have a cross-section of the uh, legislature here uh, to talk about the importance of the work that you do each and every day, making it work. Now, I asked the piper if he knew uh, Doug and the slugs, and he said he did. And he was going to, if he, he said if he'd been given another half an hour, he would have been able to bang out making it work on the pipes, but uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps he's gone away to do that now. I said you can either do Amazing Grace or that other song you do on the pipes, whatever that one is. But, uh, but it was nice to be piped in again, and uh, well done to everyone to, uh, to make me welcome again. I really appreciate that. Not only is the TLA making it work, but um, we in government are doing our level best to make it work as well. It's been 16 and a half months, coming on 17 months actually tomorrow, uh, since I was sworn in as the 36th Premier of British Columbia. And I want to 
certainly acknowledge what a, what a great opportunity, a personal opportunity this has been for me. I am humbled by the opportunity. I have been buffeted a bit by some of the challenges. Scott talked about the worst fire season ever, which you'll remember was followed by the worst fire season ever. That was my introduction by fire uh, to the office of Premier, but it was an opportunity for me to crisscross the province to talk to people, not just uh, forest firefighters, but people in industry, people in communities, and to recognize the true resilience of, of British Columbia and the people who have the good fortune to live here. I hope that uh, the flood season that's about to come upon us uh, with the freshet is not, and I think it's going to rain for the next 60 days if I got the, four, if I got the weather right this morning. Uh, I'm hopeful that the uh, natural disaster part of my mandate is over and now we can start focusing on some other issues. Uh, I think many people in the room will know John Allen, who I uh, coerced uh, out of retirement to come back and uh, lead the, uh, the ministry. Uh, uh, John knows a good deal about forestry, as you know, and uh, we're very grateful to have his expertise and experience uh, at the cabinet table assisting Minister Donaldson and government to make sure that when we bring forward policy changes that they're consistent with what is needed in this room and, and what's needed in communities right across the province. But as your members know and all of you know that the land base uh, is diverse and changing. Many of you have been in the industry for generations. Uh, many of you have just started. And I, I, I shared a story in the uh, green room, although I'm colorblind, is it, was it a green room? off stage before we came in about being at a wedding in, in Campbell River just uh, not last summer but the summer before. And of course you're in Campbell River, it's a resource town, uh, my goddaughter was getting married uh, and there were a bunch of young people there that, as happens at weddings and uh, everyone was told by uh, the father of the groom to just leave them alone, don't bug them, just leave them alone. But after a couple of drinks, as you know, at a wedding, oftentimes people have something on their mind. And so a couple of young guys came over and talked to me about forestry. And they said, you're not going to wreck stuff, are you? Because uh, we're really worried about that. And I didn't take it personally, nor did I take it as a comment on the NDP. For, for at least the past 20 years, working in the woods, working in forestry has been challenging. Circumstances changing regularly, government policy changing regularly, your challenges on the land base, whether it be in the interior with pine beetle, whether it be addressing the needs of uh, dwindling milling capacity, dwindling opportunities to move logs, it's led to an increase in um, raw log exports, which has led to a frustration in communities that are detached from industry, but they see wealth leaving British Columbia without any value being added to it. Now, I know and you know it's a complicated issue, but it's not one that we could continue to ignore. With a dwindling fiber basket, the challenges of uh, old growth stands that need to be preserved, we need to find ways to work through all of those issues. Whether it's public perception or reality, the industry has been and will continue to be under a microscope. The work that you do is important for your families, it's important for communities, but it's also important for British Columbians. So we need to address perception and we need to make sure that our reality is on a track that will benefit the people in this room and the people of the province. And I know that the TLA and others uh, across the province have ideas about how we can renew our coastal forests. And there is no magic, 
There is no solution that will come out of a bag that no one's thought of before. But I am confident working with Dave and, and the TLA executive and you at, in, in tables around this room and people in communities right across the coast, up and down the island and in the interior in the lower mainland, we can find solutions to ensure that we continue to have a robust forest sector that will continue to provide wealth to the province, wealth to families and wealth to communities. But finding the right solutions means that we have to work together. And although I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak to you today about coastal forestry, we need to make sure that we're focused on people, on communities, and the lives that are so much affected by the work of your sector. For too long, in my opinion, government's vision for the coastal forest sector has been to ship our natural resources somewhere else. For the last 20 years, employment on the coast has declined by about 40%. Lumber production has dropped by 45% pulp production by 50%. But at the same time, log exports from Crown land have increased by nearly tenfold. And the impact on communities has been profound. Mills have closed, small businesses have faltered, families have been forced to move away. Now I said that I lived in Ocean Falls, and Ocean Falls closed back in 1980. And I left town and went on uh, to do other things, and people left Ocean Falls, and they went to, they went to Gibson's, they went to Campbell River, they went to uh, uh, Gold River, they went to other places to make money in the forest sector. But as time has gone by, the communities to move into have been dwindling. And I'm seized of that as a born and raised Vancouver Islander and as a coastal dweller. I am absolutely committed to making sure that we turn that around that we ensure that the value that we get out of our forests from our dwindling fiber basket is put to work for you, put to work for your families, and put to work for the people of British Columbia. But to continue on the track that we're on with respect to leaving too much waste in the woods and shipping too much product offshore without any value added to it is not sensible and it's not sustainable. I believe there's a bright future in forestry on the coast and in the interior. And Paper Excellence's purchase of Catalyst, I think, sends a signal from the investment community that there is prospects for a greater tomorrow than we had yesterday. And that future includes healthy companies, healthy, healthy contractors, strong indigenous participation, and profitable and sustainable contracting in the industry by the people in this room. But the policy reforms that I'm going to be announcing today are the start of a process, and I want to emphasize that. that. And as I was saying to executive members, not just today at lunch, but in the meetings that I've had over the past 17 months, 17 months tomorrow, we need to work together on this. You know more about what's happening on the land base than I do. You know more about how you can better improve efficiencies of your operation than I do. But government can put in place incentives and regulations to develop an opportunity for investment to come here and give you more opportunities to move logs to different companies than the ones you're dealing with today. So how do we manage all of that? It's not to recreate the industry of 20 years ago. That's not going to happen. I get that, you get that, the public needs to get that. But I'm determined to return our natural resource, wealth, natural resource wealth to the communities where it comes from, to maximize the benefit to workers, to contractors, and everyone that relies on forestry in British Columbia. 
And to that end, I'm pleased to say that we've completed the contractor sustainability review and we'll be moving forward with regulatory changes that will eliminate the fair market rate test effective as soon as Mr. Allen and Mr. Donaldson can get that done. Thanks for that. That's a result of hard work by many of the people in this room to make that happen. Doug will have more details on that tomorrow as we roll out the plans. And we're moving ahead with other reforms as well uh, that will affect the industry in four key areas. And I'm just going to run through those. Firstly, we're going to rebuild our solid wood and secondary industries by processing more fiber in BC. So simply put, we're going to make sure that more timber can be processed here in BC communities. And to accomplish that, we're going to reform raw log export policies. We're going to discourage high grading and curtail the export of minimally processed lumber. This will be a phased-in process and will apply first to new sales through BC timber sales programs. So again, this is not going to be the stroke of a pen, a magic wand. It's going to be hard work, but I want to leave no doubt that we are not going to continue to send away unprocessed material to be processed somewhere else, sometimes just a few miles from where we're having our lunch today. That's not acceptable to me, it's not acceptable to British Columbians, and we will find a way through incentives and regulations, through carrots and sticks, to make that happen. But we know, and I know, and you know, that you can't force people to invest in unprofitable ventures. I get that, you get that. So there's no magic here. It's going to be hard work and it's going to be commitment by all of us to make sure that we can continue to thrive with the forests that we have as we grow the sustainable industry going forward. Secondly, we're going to improve harvest performance to decrease waste and ensure more fibers made available for domestic manufacturers, including the pulp and paper sector. This means greater uh, utilization and increased penalties for waste creating the fiber recovery zone on Vancouver Island and the south coast to make more fiber available for pulp and other activities. Thirdly, we're going to take steps to prevent surrogate bidding on timber sales, and that will ensure that timber sale auctions are fair and free from manipulation by surrogate bidders. And finally, we are fostering stronger business-to-business -business relationships, and this means we're going to, uh, it's going to take a number of forms. As an example, uh, the, the uh, ministry is going to pool volumes across BC timber sales with First Nations and other licensees uh, to ensure that we're finding maximizing economies of scale so that we can use our fiber more effectively. That's all of us working together, BC timber sales, Indigenous communities, contractors, tenure holders. And again, I don't want to leave any room for misunderstanding here. This means things are going to be done differently and that we are going to reduce the number of logs that leave British Columbia and increase the amount of activity that we can get out of each log that you take out of the forest. And this is a conscious and deliberate strategy and I want to make that absolutely clear. It is going to be a, a phased in process and it will take time to figure out. We were talking about uh, unintended consequences. What I've learned as a member of the opposition for way too long and for John and Jordan, I've got some pointers I can help you out on getting through some of those dark days. But what I learned as an opposition member, what I learned as someone working in the industry, what I learned over the past 16 and a bit months as Premier is that there are always unintended consequences. And government needs to be responsive to that. 
if we make a mistake as we go forward with these four key changes, we're going to be responsive to that change. There is advantage in being a minority government. Again, I, I keep talking about what we had at lunch. We should have just had live mics here. It would have been a, a shorter speech. But if there are unintended consequences, government should respond quickly to that. Majority governments tend to sit back and say, well, we'll figure that out over time. Minority governments have to figure it out every day. I have to be responsive to your membership and to, to people in communities across British Columbia every day. So if we make a mistake, I'm not going to hold fast to that mistake because it was my mistake. I'm going to try and fix it. That's the mandate that Doug's been given, and that's what we intend to do. Lastly, I want to talk about one area that I think is critically important. We're going to make amendments to the Forest and Range Practices Act to support the revitalization initiative by returning to district managers the authority to manage the land base. They know more about what's going on in the land than I do. They know more about what's going on in the land base than Doug does. So we're not going to second guess the people who you have to work with each and every day. We're going to make the assumption that you and they are going to work in good faith to get the best outcomes off the land, the most fiber to the most people to create the most value for British Columbians. I think that transparency is wanted by the public and it will help us with the question of perception over reality by making sure that everybody knows what's going on, why it's going on, and it'll be driven by your ability to meet the tests that government has put forward for you, whether it be 20 years ago, whether it be 10 years ago, whether it will be in the next 10 weeks. We have every confidence that you'll be able to adapt. You in this room and the forest sector has adapted decade after decade to changing circumstances, changing fiber uh, profiles, changing circumstances in the marketplace. Softwood lumber agreements have come and gone. Prices have gone up. We've had an extraordinary run over the past 12 months of the highest prices anyone has ever seen. We can't depend on high prices to mask the challenges that you know, are well, you know well are there for all of us to address. So we need to support all of this by making sure that wealth, capacity gener wealth generation capacity in the forest is there for you, for your families, for your companies, and for the communities that you operate in. Wherever I go, I talk to mayors, I talk to councillors, I talk to workers, I talk to contractors. And they all have a, one common theme, and that is wanting to continue to work in the forest industry that has been feeding families for hundreds of years, 150 years at least. And it also means reconciliation on the land base with indigenous communities. My government has undertaken what is absolutely a transformative discussion with indigenous communities. Um, some of that has been represented on television screens recently in the north when it comes to uh, the differences between hereditary and elected leadership. These are challenges for you every day. These are challenges for government every day. But equally important, these are challenges for indigenous communities every day. And it's not up to me or us or you to tell indigenous communities how to manage their government, how to manage the way they work with you. My job, our job, is to make sure that we're making a seamless transition to what we, from what we know to what we know we have to get to. And a couple of examples that I want to talk about when it comes to reconciliation, two of them very close to me on Vancouver Island. Uh, BC Timber Sales recently entered into uh, a quite a unique agreement with the Pachidat First Nation and the Cowichan Lake Community Forest in what's called uh, Kalawit Community Forest, uh, just north of, uh, of Port Renfrew in my constituency. And the Huayats First Nations have entered into an arrangement with Western Forest Products to purchase a portion of TFL 44, and they plan to acquire more. So the face of forestry will be changing. 
uh, the ability for all of us to work together remains the same. And again, I look back over what has been my uh, time here on Vancouver Island, which is my entire life. Things have changed decade after decade after decade. But one common theme is Indigenous communities have always been here. They always will be here. You have always been working in the forest. You want to continue working in the forest. And that relationship can only get better. It couldn't get any worse than it was. 25, 20, 15 years ago. We are on the brink of successes when it comes to reconciliation that will open up our economy, not just for Indigenous communities, but for all of us. That is a task worth fighting for. That is a task that I've set for all of my ministers in every mandate letter I sent out, whether it was to Ginny at Community Services or Doug at Forestry, we need to reconcile with Indigenous communities so that we can all move forward in a positive way. And we've seen real results from that in the Broughton Archipelago when it comes to uh, salmon aquaculture. I, uh, again, uh, would have been, should have written some of this stuff down. Uh, uh, just before Christmas, we announced uh, a, a, a groundbreaking agreement between uh, marine harvest and, um, and other uh, operators in, in the Broughton Archipelago with the Indigenous communities there to move some fish farms out of the migratory routes for wild salmon and provide opportunities for continued employment, continued economic development, but sovereignty on that land base for the people who have been there for millennia. People, myself included, didn't think that was possible. But yet there we were just before Christmas announcing a groundbreaking agreement that will lead to prosperity on the coast, prosperity on the North Island where it's desperately needed, and a way forward for every other sector in the province. The UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People is not a veto. It is an opportunity, an opportunity for all of us to share the benefits and splendor of this spectacular province. I want to thank you all very much for your patience and perseverance on the land base. I want you to know that you have a partner in me. We will have some bumps along the road, but you've seen bumps before. You've overcome those bumps before. And again, with your help and cooperation with the work of newly minted fresh as a daisy John Allen in the, in the deputy's chair and Doug Donaldson as minister, we're gonna continue to work with the TLA and everyone who wants to work with us so that we can have the prosperity that we all want for ourselves and we want for other British Columbians. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. I look forward to little unintended consequences and lots of optimism and positivity going forward. Thanks very much. And, and I, forgot the, I forgot the important part because I didn't write it down, and, and that was um, on training. We have uh, the lowest unemployment rate in the country. We're hovering around 4, four to 4.4% unemployment, which means a difficulty recruiting and retaining workers. You know that full well. We've been talking, the TLA and I and others in the industry, about how we can assist with training the next generation of workers in the forest sector. There have been some very innovative ideas coming from uh, the TLA executive. We're taking that back to Minister Donaldson, Minister Melanie Mark, responsible for skills training. Uh, it, we're, we're closing up budget 2019 right now. It'll be tabled in uh, less than a month. And uh, I wanted to make the commitment today, and, uh, and I'm looking at Dave, he's nodding vigorously. So that'll be one less meeting we'll have to have, Dave. That's good. 
Uh, I understand the challenges that you have uh, recruiting and retaining workers, the challenges of training outside of the classroom, and how do we make sure that you can bring on younger people, younger men and women who want to be part of the forest industry without it being debilitating for you. Government has a responsibility to help you train people to help your businesses grow, and we're committed to doing that. Uh, we'll have more to say about that in the weeks ahead, uh, but I don't want to lead anyone to the view that in the next budget there's going to be a windfall for training, but we are fixated on trying to address. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, I, I keep referring to young John Allen, but none of us are getting any younger. And we need to make sure that the next generation that's going to replace the people around these tables to replace the executives of the TLA are getting the training they need now so that they're going to be there for all of us in the future. Because when those hip replacements are going to be needed by all of you, we need young people to be making all that happen. So uh, that's the last thing I'll say about that. And training money is to come. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Premier Horgan. On behalf of those here today and the TLA membership, we're pleased to hear these announcements and uh, look forward to what's coming in the weeks ahead. Could you please accept this gift on behalf of the TLA? Okay, we understand that uh, you'll be leaving us now for media interviews following this announcement. So on behalf of our membership, I'd like to thank you once again for joining us and supporting the timber harvesting contracting industry. At each table, one person has a red sticker under their chair. That lucky person gets to take home the finning centerpiece at the table. There you go. Thank you once again, finning for supporting this event. The trade show is now open. This year there's also a TLA Best Booth content contest. The voting ballot is on your name badge. Submit your ballot at the entrance of the trade show and the contest will close at 10 p.m. on suppliers night. The winning booth will receive four tickets to a Canucks game. Thank you all very much.